0: choose kind eyes. And so every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminding myself, choose to see in a kinder way. And that's my way of strengthening um, the newly formed lesson.
1: What's going on, everyone? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 289 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I talk to inspirational people about everything from their highest highs and toughest moments to essential tips on how to live a healthier, happier, more motivated life. We all go through our fair share of hurdles, My goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am bringing in my girl, Natalie Kuhn. She is the co-CEO and a founding teacher over at The Class. This isn't her first rodeo here on Hurdle. In fact, her first episode, which I will link in the show notes, is truly one of my all-time favorites. In it, she says something I reference often. How does a muscle strengthen? You give it something to push up against. How does your will strengthen? You give it something to push up against. I think about this all the time and that's exactly what I brought her back onto the show to talk about today. This concept of resilience, how do we make decisions during difficult and turbulent times, as we call on the show, hurdle moments, without attachment to outcome? How can we live through these moments that feel like we are so down and out and know that there is opportunity within them? Natalie knows a thing or two herself about navigating tough times. In today's episode, she opens up about how she has been dealing with, gosh, a multitude of hurdles in her personal life as her partner, Kevin, was diagnosed with cancer during the pandemic. That diagnosis brought the two of them out to the West Coast from Brooklyn. And not only did they uproot their entire lives, but in doing so, she was also taking on new roles professionally. Through it all, she has done her best to keep a positive perspective. And we talk exactly about that in today's episode. Natalie shares her three helpful pathways to making difficult decisions. And I'm going to make a bold statement. The way that you think about challenge after listening to this episode will completely change forever. So grateful for Natalie's time. And truly, I feel so lucky lately that I've been able to reconnect with people that make my soul happy. I've had a hectic few weeks myself. And so being able to bring conversations with friends to the feed and have such wonderful feedback and responses from all of you, it makes me feel like I'm doing something right here. Make sure you're following along with the show over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi and if you're not yet subscribed to the weekly hurdle newsletter I'd love the opportunity to land in your inbox every single Friday for free with the same motivation inspiration and things you love about the show the link to subscribe is in the show notes with that let's get to it let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with the ever lovely Natalie Kuhn. She's the co CEO and a founding teacher of the class. How are you doing, Nat?
0: Emily, I'm so happy to be on here with you again. I love you. I admire you. I've been looking forward to this all year.
1: Wow. All year. Good thing we're 26 days in. I understand. Yeah, Uh, My enthusiasm for you and the love (laughs) is seriously shared. Natalie and I first connected, um, I'd say about four years ago at the class and then recorded together the first time in 2020. I'll make sure to link that episode in the show notes. But when it comes to People that I look to for a ray of positivity, like we so often talk about censoring or maybe being a little bit more cognizant of the people that we're following on social media, are they energy faucets versus energy drains? How do you look? How do you feel when you look at their content? When I look at Natalie's content, I'm like, we got this.
0: Oh my gosh. Bless your heart. I have to say I mean I would love to know what social media what your relationship to social media is for you but for me it's a place where I'm just putting reminders for myself <laughs>
1: 100%. This is,
0: this is the outlook I want uh, that I'm seeking. I'm training myself by hopefully showing other people what I want to be thinking about what I want to be perceiving. And um I feel that same way about your entire podcast. I feel like you You have the same ethos. how are we going to get over that hurdle? What have you learned along the way? and uh, what does it how can I approach my future in the best way uh, and see challenge as a gift? so that's something I see in you and um, just a mirror. Wow,
1: <laughs> honestly, what a great vibe to start this conversation <laughs> off with. So much has happened uh, understandably yeah. so in the past three years since. I've had the opportunity to have you on the show, a lot of which wasn't necessarily on your bingo card for Ugh. 2021 through 2023. Yeah. So catch us up to speed, Nat.
0: And whose was, right? I mean, if I, I, I think if anybody listening right now softened their eyes closed and just asked themselves the question, are you the same person that you were in 2020? If I was in real time, Uh, let's see, how old was I then? 34. I feel like I'm 68 now.
1: (laughs) You don't don't look a day over 61. Thank you so much.
0: But we really had to learn a lot of lessons and we had to learn them fast and we had to learn them in a pressure cooker. And I think that's true for all of us. Um, Obviously, 2021 and 2022 were this period of time where anyone who saw success during the pandemic uh, was... Fighting to keep it, and anybody who saw a kind of devastation was maybe rebuilding. For me, I um, stepped into the role of co-CEo with uh, Chris Sanborn um, and Taryn Toomey is our founder in two years ago in, April, in the spring of 2022. and you know 2020, 2021, 2022 were worlds unto themselves there were three years packed into one in terms of the macroeconomics every business was facing, the um, total volatility of whatever industry you were in, fill in the blank, you know? And stepping into this role was, it really has been such an honor of my lifetime because I, I you know this, Emily, but um, I'm the first employee of the class 10 and a half years ago. Uh, Taryn was just Uh, formulating the website at the time and we hit it off and we believe in this method and we kept it going with JC Gossett, going through all of these different life cycles and iterations. And those chapters pre-pandemic felt like two and a half years at a time. And then after the pandemic, it was like every nine months, the landscape was changing. But probably the most dramatic change in my life was nine months ago, I'm still getting my sea legs in this new form of leadership and in this new role, still um, facing big challenges as somebody navigating the economic volatility and then trying to figure out what in the world was going on with my fiance's health. And on May 5th, we got the diagnosis that It's stage four metastatic melanoma cancer. It's skin cancer that metastasized in the lung. And very, very quickly, we had to make some hard decisions under very difficult circumstances. And it had to be, you know, we have a motto at the class, but it's definitely one that all of us take into our own personal lives. It's family first. So we had to shift the ballast from my full concentration going from Learning leadership and leading at the same time into how do I do that while my personal life is compounding? And the deepest fears that all of us share around mortality are knocking at the door. What does it mean for family? What does it mean for our future? What does it mean for work? What does it mean for love? And that's really where. I think I've seen the most growth in myself. And that was barely nine months ago.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that. I know it's been truly a a difficult journey for the two of you. And of course, as well as your greater community, a journey that you have uh, very vulnerably shared with that community, uh, myself included. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that your strength outwardly at the very least, despite this challenge has been so awe-inspiring to Mm. witness. You mentioned that a theme for you emerging from this, which is a testament to the type of person that you are, is growth. Talk to me a little bit about that and how you choose consciously to focus on the growth amidst the uncertainty.
0: Yes, um, that is great. I think, you know, a lot of the ladies that I've mentored in my life, I've tried to redirect some of the conversations. Most of the time, uh, women who are trying to find their passion, their vocation, often say, you know, what is the job that's going to make me happy? And then I often hear the same thing in relationships. I'm in five years into my marriage. I'm in 10 years into my marriage. You know, I'm not happy. And I actually don't think that that's the right question because I do think that happiness is a state of being. And we are meant to move through states of being like weather patterns. There is meant to be a seasonality to our sadness, our grief, our happiness, our joy, our courage. And I think that if we hold our life to the standard of happy, we are doing a disservice to the expansiveness of our human condition. And for me, the better question that's always resulted in something much more invitational, an answer that's much more invitational is, am I going to grow? How is this going to evolve me? Can I see this as an opportunity to mature, to develop, to learn? And Under these circumstances, personally and professionally, if I just saw them as happening to me, then I become a victim of my circumstances. If I see them as happening for me, then there's some future vision that I'm holding myself toward on a wider horizon. It's almost like my future self, the one that's up leveled, the one that's more capable, the one that's more loving and more generous, is calling me forward. Simply by being able to choose to perceive this moment as its own form of a university. (laughs) Like, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, so admirable, right? And I'm sure so many listening to these sentiments, they hear what you're saying and think to themselves, well, that sounds ideal. But in the difficult moments when you're trying to grasp for that perspective and the chaos is in your midst yeah. how do you get to this place where you remember that that perspective that you so beautifully described is one that could serve you versus perhaps mm. the victim mindset alternative
0: emily you are such you're so good at this that, that's such a great question thank you for it <laughs> i want to just normalize it by saying that the the way we perceive things is a practice So I didn't just wake up one day and it's like, oh, great, everything that happens today is gonna be a lesson. This is something that I have built muscle around and continue to build muscle around. I did not reach some kind of mountaintop where nothing ever affects me ever again. It's really, um, it really is practice. And there are a lot of times where a challenge is hitting me personally or professionally. For example, even the one with cancer, it's like, what? Why? Why is this happening to him? How are we going to get through? There's just overwhelm and panic. That was absolutely the first month uh, after the diagnosis. But I do feel like I've started to distill three tips, three pathways to coming to those hard decisions, to being able to make those hard decisions in a way that feels like growth. And I would say that the first one is before making any decision, before stepping toward that challenge or that difficulty, get yourself in order. Not get yourself in order, get yourself in order. What is your state? If you're coming from fear, your decision is going to be rooted in fear. If you're coming from a centered place, so will your decision making. And Kevin and I really had to work through a lot of terror, really, truly, the fear of death before we were able to make a clear decision about what type of immunotherapy we were going to attempt, where that was going to take place, you know, what, di- and, and then professionally, what direction is the company going to take? What risks are we willing to stick our necks out for? Right. So the first one is really just get your state in order.
1: For those that are approaching a difficult moment as we talk through these three things, and perhaps they aren't in the midst of this moment with another, perhaps they're braving this hurdle moment on their own, uh, whether it could have been anticipated or it's completely on a whim, regardless of the circumstance, do you have any advice when it comes to the act of Getting yourself together for someone who feels like they're in this a hundred
0: percent solo, hundred percent. This is such a great question. Move your body. This is why I believe in the class so much because it's a workout that combines fitness with mindfulness. So you're really using the workout not for some optical, you know, cultural idea of perfection, <laughs> but to understand what emotions and what mental patterns are coming up so that you can work with it in a good way. If that doesn't resonate with you, there's a reason why it's called, you know, the runner's high. <laughs> you know this better than anybody. Go for a run, shake your body, dance, move your body so that the stagnant thoughts and the sharp emotion doesn't keep you stuck. So, you know, and, and that's, that overwhelm that is a paralysis in and of itself, right? So move your body in order to address your mind and your heart. Yeah,
1: I love that tip. And obviously, uh, you and I, both huge fans of utilizing that as regularly as we can to get through the tough moments. We, we talk about here, uh, getting yourself set In this practice of setting yourself up and and kind of practicing perhaps a respond instead of react approach, Mm -hmm. what would you say is the goal here in that by setting yourself up, what do you want to experience when the act, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, is done?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You'll know that you've gotten yourself in order. You'll know that your state is ready for decision making when the emotional charge of the decision itself has released. So, if your decision has to do with, like, oh, you know, for example, us, which healing path are we going to take? Because, you know, the prognosis was you got two years to live. So, it really fucking matters (laughs) which you take, you know? And so we had to work through that terror to the point where finally when we were like, okay, immunotherapy, the word doesn't scare me. I've now repeated the word cancer. I'm looking it dead in the eye. Okay. You know, even things like my meeting with the investor, my entrepreneurship, when I can shake my body free of the emotion that's clouding it or covering it and see it without an emotional sweater, tenor, uh charge. It takes it could take a while. It's it, you know, and it and it might be a practice that requires discipline.
1: Yeah. I'm curious about your experience in the in-between because you gave it a month timeline, right? And understandably so, when you're told you have two years. Was there judgment about moving before you were ready or feeling as though you were taking too much time to set yourself up to move forward? Absolutely,
0: It was a ping pong pendulum experience of confusion. <laughs> I think the number of times I took the dog on a walk just to clear my head, just to try to work through You know, should we move to LA? Do we go to Boston? There's only four places in the whole world that offer this clinical trial. Which one is going to make sense for him? Which one's going to keep him alive? Which one is going to allow me to keep my job because his insurance is on my company? You know, I mean, really, it's. And the thing is, you don't have to. You, we really ought not to wait to do these practices of turning toward the thing that scares us and um, moving our body in order to shift the emotional charge. To getting centered, uh, finding our breath, all of these things, because the way that we practice that in real life, the everyday practice of that is... Uh, you know, your partner wants to watch a movie and you want to go to dinner. There's no mortality risk <laughs> in that decision. But how you make that decision, sets the tone for how you're going to make a decision for the bigger things. So you want to stay awake and you want to practice these things on the daily so that you have muscle memory, emotional muscle memory, the next time you're faced with something big.
1: I love what you said about how you had to build that muscle memory around your perspective to embrace this way of approaching difficult moments and tough decisions. I'll never forget when I first interviewed you, you said a quote that I still come back to so regularly. And it was, how does a muscle strengthen? You give it something to push up against. And then how does your will strengthen? You give it something to push up against. And so it really is, you know, the crux, the thesis, the core of the work that I do so much of understanding that these hard moments, while they won't be easy and many of them unanticipated, that doesn't mean that they're not happening for us. And it doesn't mean that you cannot get through them and then be stronger to handle the next one on the other side. I know you said you had uh, a three things, mm, Natalie. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So, so I want to get to number two, but I could praise you for hours. So let's keep going.
0: <laughs> Bless your heart. Thank you. Um, the second one is radically simplify. Radically simplify so that you really understand the problem that you're really trying to solve. So I, you know, let me explain because we are often solving a slightly different problem than the one actually at hand we often choose to solve the problem that we think we have an answer for because it's more relieving, it's more comfortable, it's more familiar, rather than the problem we really don't have an answer for. And that's the one that's actually on the table. So radically simplifying is this practice of breaking down the complex situation into much more manageable components. That can be like the economy is stagnant, why isn't my company growing at the rate that i need it to and that can be also which clinical trial is going to save my partner's life but it also starts with the everyday it starts with like monday morning you get up you have your coffee or you know whatever you do <laughs> your lemon water and then you look at your day and radically simplify it into what is the real problem I'm I'm trying to solve, not the problem I want to solve.
1: Okay, so let's dive into that even more then. Let's peel back another layer of the onion. So when someone is faced with an issue, let's say the issue is someone spraying their ankle Mm. And maybe they had a plan to do a a relay race with some friends in two weeks. This is the most random example I have ever come up with. And (laughs) they are in this place now where they don't know what to do about their sprained ankle because they were so excited about participating in the relay race with their friends. So how do we simplify this in a radical way?
0: Right. Well, we're so conditioned to have the answer, right? So, okay, I've sprained my ankle and and if I do enough ice packs, then in this amount of day, the inflammation is going to go down, I'm going to take two Advil. Well, pause. Instead of answering, just setting yourself on an answer course, what's the question? The question is, when is this going to be over? Well, can you ask the question in a better way, in a more invitational way, what is best for my healing? Because that's the real problem. The real problem to solve is what is the best course of action for my healing? Rather than the one we want to hear, which is how quickly will I heal? Right. That's the question we want to answer. Oh, two weeks. I'll be back in a flash.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And understandably so, right? Because you had this event that this person hypothetically was looking forward to. In these instances, whether it is a hypothetically sprained ankle or something else, what is your advice for getting to this place where you feel as though you can get to a radically simplifying mindset? Because this emotion is is the problem.
0: This is why we take care of our state first. So we get ourselves grounded. We get ourselves centered, whether that's meditation or breath work or the class or dance or jogging or whatever it is. You get your state together. Get centered. Next step, you know, you could get a big piece of paper out and take a pen and just vent about the problem, write all of it down. Da, da 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 da. Then pull the piece of paper away from your face so that you have some more distance and start to cross out the extraneous words. We always want the essay to be a little bit longer than it needs to be because we have a fear of beginning, of really facing the true start. Right. So continue to cross things away until you're whittling down to the essential components. What are the manageable components that speak to the root of the true problem?
1: Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Element. Element's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research revealing that optimal health outcomes occur at sodium levels, two to three times government recommendations. Each stick of Element delivers a meaningful dose of electrolytes free of sugar, artificial colors, or other dodgy ingredients. It's formulated for anyone on a mission to restore health through hydration. And let me tell you, that is a high goal of mine for 2024. I'm always sitting first thing in the morning with a series of three beverages i start with my ag1 i shift to coffee and beverage number three is my go-to favorite element flavor watermelon salt not only do i reach for element for optimal hydration but i'm especially grabbing it when i'm on the move it is my go-to sports beverage for everything from long runs to long bike rides and they've got a flavor for every taste Like I said, I'm a watermelon girly, but they have so many yummy options from grapefruit and citrus to orange, and their chocolate salt warmed up on a cold night makes the most ideal dessert beverage that you just have to try. Now, of course, they have a deal for all Hurdle listeners. You can receive a free element sample pack with any order by heading on over to drink element. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle. Again, that link, drink lmnt.com slash hurdle. To receive a free element sample pack, try all of the flavors with any order today. Curious, what does journaling and writing look like in practice for you these days?
0: I have a, a one of those journals. It's called One Line a Day. And at the end of the day, I just write what's top of mind from what happened. And it's a five-year journal. So I can sort of see what happened last year. And the reason why I do it like that is because I do feel like Alice in Wonderland. I feel like I've changed 10 times you know, in the last hour. And it's helpful for me to see the progress of my journey to reassure me and validate that I am growing, that I am learning. The other way that I journal is um, when I'm preparing to teach the class, which again is this combination of mindfulness and strength training, I will journal out What's going on for me? The things that I'm thinking about, the things that I want to create more space for, so that I'm not listening just to my mind, but I can open up into listening to my intuition. And if that word doesn't resonate with you, spirit, God, divinity, creativity, shakti—you know what, how, however your vocabulary feels it—and um, journaling is one of those things where it takes the thought out of the hamster wheel of my mind and places it literally at a distance from me so that I remember that I'm not my thought. I'm the one experiencing it. This is, you know, spirituality, mindfulness 101. But if I'm writing it and I can see it, then how can I be it?
1: Oh, the power in that statement. So, so mm. true and the way that you talked about your process going into what some people think is just a simple act of teaching a a class right it's really a testament to why I believe your class and the experience within that room is so Mm. special, right? Mm. Because it's it's something that you walk in there and you're not just there to help people move. Although, of course, that's a byproduct, right? You are there to move the energy. You are there Mm -hmm. to deliver thoughts and be Mm. provoking. And I feel as though uh, there aren't many opportunities like that. And that is also another reason why... I look forward to to keeping up with you regularly. Aside from, again, here I am complimenting you time and time again. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the steps here and, and the order of the steps, right? Like coming right. to self first and then being able to uh, get radically clear on what has to happen next. So where do we land then with our third thing?
0: The third one is, uh, I would distill it down to say, Seek input wisely. And here's what I mean by that. If you're only going to the yes-men and the yes-women in your life, whether that's externalized or internalized, (laughs) whether that's the people around you that's going to say, absolutely, that's great, or the part of you that's going to say the opposite, no, no, don't go there, don't try that, remember when you failed. If you're only going to the folks who are just giving you one response repeatedly, that's not actual advice. That's getting what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear. So if you get input from different parts of the business, from different sectors of your life, parent, friend, coworker, you know, therapist, (laughs) if you get input from different voices within you, different identities that you hold. I have the identity of co-CEO. I have the identity of fiance. I have the identity of daughter, of friend, of sister, artist, of, you know, whatever. And can I host a party in which I'm seeking input from different parts of me and getting a different response based on who I'm choosing to share um, and validate my decision with um you know you you can't see your own eyes, right? We know this, so true objectivity is going to require a combination of outside perspective and that deep inner knowing so um yeah, seek input wisely. some people aren't aren't going to be listening for the sake of the problem that has to be solved. they're going to be listening according to their own agenda. So you really have to be thoughtful and conscious with who you, you know, just like you were saying, like press up against.
1: What do you do when it becomes clear that one of your stakeholders may not have your best interest in mind? I know you mentioned the phrase, having their own agenda, right? Mm -hmm. And I think especially when you're in the midst of a difficult conversation, a difficult hurdle moment, or perhaps as we age, there's so much conversation about friendships and evolving from friendships. So how do you know when to take the advice to heart versus move forward on your own path if it's different?
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. So many things come up for me. One... um, you know, what's the old adage? If somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time, you Mm -hmm. know? So if you've got a stakeholder in your life, personally or professionally, and you know that you can't trust them, don't trust them. (laughs) But that takes practice because maybe you've been conditioned to, maybe you've been programmed to. The other thing that we um, say at the class when we're developing our teachers is that all feedback is a gift. Not all feedback needs to be taken. So, the answer, and uh, you know, when I was in high school and into college, I I, I have a BFA. I trained as an actor, and uh, one of the things that my teachers used to say all the time is the only response to feedback is thank you and then you do with it what you will. So if you've got a stakeholder and you don't trust them, but you have to hear them out because of the nature of the relationship, then you hear them, you say thank you, and that is a gift. I'm happy to hear your perspective. And then in the privacy of your own intuition, meeting the validation of the wise inputs, then you decide, are you taking it or not? You decide.
1: I love these three actionable tips here. Come back to self, radically simplify, and then be careful who you seek advice or input from. When it comes to then putting these into practice and moving through hard decisions, I know that something that has greatly helped me is doing myself. The service of not attaching myself to
0: a specific outcome. Have you experienced that? Oh, I mean, the one that we are in is this practice in and of itself. The outcome I seek (laughs) is for him to live a long life. And honey, I am attached. (laughs) I am attached to that outcome. But what's been amazing is that Kevin has been a teacher for me in in this regard because his relationship to what he's going through is ultimately I have some skin in this game I have decisions and I have will and then there's another aspect of this that's not up to me so I'm going to do the most that I can and then you know I don't know if this language resonates with you or your listeners but like but then you have to give it to god or you have to, you know, give it to source, give it to divinity, give it to the unknown, to uncertainty, and um, that's really, really hard when it's something as when the stakes are as high as mortality. But it is yeah. that practice of give and take. I can bring myself to this hard decision as fully as I possibly can, and then something else, a different power a different seasonality, a different energy is going to have to meet me there.
1: It's like doing the best you can with what you have in the moment and not judging that decision based on the things that you are without. Clearly, this is really, truly a life or death situation for you. Oftentimes, we deal with decisions that have less severity attached to them. And in making these difficult decisions, I have found it difficult to not judge myself based on the outcome. But over the years have come to understand that not getting the outcome that I'd hoped for. Let's say if it's a specific job or it's nailing down a certain rate on a contract or mm-hmm. if it's being able to take a trip at this certain time of year and then something pops up, I then have the opportunity to take these outcomes, although they are less desirable, as information. Mm, and oh my God, has that's that words me as I've moved forward, knowing that it doesn't mean that I am one way or another way because I didn't get what I was after. It's just the information that I need so that when I go after the next thing that I'm excited about or try to face the next difficult hurdle moment, that I know what could happen and how I may handle that situation.
0: So good. So good. Bold, italicized, underscore, double click. (laughs) (laughs) But the other thing I would say, Emily, that, that came to me when you were talking was, you know, we can practice in low stakes all the time. And the one, the example I just thought of was cooking, right? So if you have a new recipe, get yourself together. If you, right, so get yourself in order. If you are in a rush, if you are scared, if you are da 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 You're probably going to tip over the pans. The sauce is going to go everywhere. Okay, so get yourself grounded. Radically simplify. Make your grocery list. Choose when you're going to go to get your stuff. Bring it back. What's the first thing you have to do? Boil the water. And once you get to that place where you are, you know, tasting the soup, as it were, if you know that the person that you are sitting across from hates salt, And you put a lot of salt in it. Well, we already know what outcome you're going to. We already know the advice of the person sitting across the way. So, seek who you're bringing to dinner. You know, wisely choose who you're inviting to dinner wisely. And then, once you taste that soup, learn from what didn't didn't work. Too much salt, not enough, and adapt. So, here's number four. Adapt based on your current reality, not your old one. It's not every other time you've made this soup. Base it off of this experience of tasting your minestrone. Learn from it. At first,
1: I thought we were making pasta and I got excited. (laughs) Well, minestrone has pasta in it. (laughs) (laughs) On the note of adapting, that also incorporates with who you are now. There are so many things that I go after, that I experience, and it is so easy to compare how it feels now or what's not happening now or... XYZ based on a previous version of myself. And while that can be frustrating at times, the mindset that I've chosen to adopt is that how lucky am I to be this version of myself now and to be able to then find the joys in a different way, not diminishing my accomplishments or what I am capable now because they capable of now because they look different. Different does not equate to bad. Hard stop, period, exclamation point, done. Louder for the back.
0: (laughs) Louder for the back. Say it again, put it on a bumper sticker. Let's make t-shirts. Different is not bad. And it's so
1: challenging, right? To learn that lesson, especially when you liked whatever was happening in that previous version. Yeah, right? We get attached to that too. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad.
0: I got nothing to add to
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> exclamation point. Um in these hurdle moments as we as we face them and and you know we're putting all these actionable tips into practice there will be trust me, I can promise you this, a moment where the hurdle is behind us or the circumstances have dramatically changed. And maybe the problem that you were trying to solve at the get-go from the get-go that was at one point so clear isn't the same problem anymore. So once someone is on the other side of this challenge, do you have any advice for then implementing whatever it is that they've learned
0: along the way? That's a great question. I personally have a, um, I have a very unique relationship to the bathroom mirror (laughs) because, you know, one of the things that I really had to work on growing up is a better self-image, right? Who didn't, who wasn't, you know, were we all teenagers at one point? Come on. I'm still there, Natalie. Natalie. Girl, we're all we're working on it. We're working on it this entire lifestyle, lifetime. But one of the things that I started to do was a. I created my own series of mirrors, uh, art mirrors, for this whole reason, from stemming from this, where I would write the reminder on a sticky note, and I would put it on the bathroom mirror where I see it all the time, so that that thing that I learned, that mantra, that realization, that remembrance isn't it it needs repetition in order to strengthen. Right? We say this at the class all the time. What you repeat, you strengthen. So be careful what you're repeating. Be careful, be full of care with what you're repeating. So if I just came into a new revelation, a new muscle was discovered, a new thought pattern that I want to foster and feed, I need to give it the gift of my attention. Well, every single day I look in the bathroom mirror twice a day brushing my teeth. So at minimum, right? So if I put the sticky note on the bathroom mirror, I at least know that there's a minimum of two touch points in my day where I'm strengthening the mantra, the reminder, the invitation, the blessing, whatever word speaks to you. And that's how I developed It's this mirror series. It's called Make the Sun. And it's these art mirrors that are, you know, my favorite one says, choose kind eyes. And so every time I look in the mirror, I'm reminding myself, choose to see in a kinder way. And that's my way of strengthening um, the newly formed lesson. That
1: is a beautiful mantra, choose kind eyes. And I have Mm. a feeling I'll be writing that myself in a... What's that type of Sharpie that rubs off? Dry erase. I'll be writing that. <laughs> Get it in Sharpie, girl. Oh my Get God. In you're it. <laughs> I don't think my rental, my rental building would like that so much. <laughs> but. I really appreciate that. And it's a simple step, right? It doesn't need to be a complete life overhaul to integrate these lessons. And the other thing I will say that may have to happen before you even get to this point of taking the Sharpie or the dry erase marker to your bathroom mirror is doing yourself the favor and often something that can be very difficult and reflect right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we get to the other side of these hard moments, the last thing that we want to do is go back over things that caused us pain. But in the execution of reflecting and in the execution of taking the time to think about how you felt is arguably the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. then look at it with less emotion attached to it now that you're yes. on the other side. Yes. Again, it's not easy, right? And mm-hmm. no one expects it to be. Yeah. But whether that exercise is done on your own or with the help of friends or perhaps with the help of a therapist or a life coach, okay. however you choose to do that reflecting, I encourage you to do it because that is truly how you strengthen. And that is truly how you then take those lessons into whatever it is that you'll face moving forward.
0: You are saying it. You are singing. saying it, girl. I actually cannot sing. Can I
1: tell you that? People sing. ask me all the times when they hear like this voice. They're like, so like are gorgeous you a good voice. singer?" Thank you. I, uh, you do as well. Oh. I can't sing. Not for the <laughs> life of me.
0: Can't even whistle, actually. I, I often say that if I could have one superpower, other people want to fly. I want to sing. <laughs> singing, singing is a superpower. I missed out on that one. Didn't get in that DNA line. Something I want to double click on from earlier in
1: our conversation <laughs> was you were talking about as you were navigating the initial blunt trauma of finding out about your partner's condition, that you were also learning leadership and leading at the same time. Mm-hmm. Flesh that out a little bit for me and what that experience yeah. was like for you.
0: I was one year into the new role. Uh, of co-CEO when this happened. And admittedly, I think I spent a lot of that first year bullied by my own imposter syndrome and really had intuitions about things that I let either my mind or different opinions uh, overshadow and eclipse. And it wasn't until this rude awakening of um the diagnosis, where I had to get strong inside myself, and I was you know my, my heart had something to push up against, right, that I started to find a new level of my voice, of standing up for my voice, of using my voice of meeting my intuition with data and bringing that to the team and you know practicing becoming much more objective and practicing not people pleasing my way through a hard decision or through leadership but rather doing exactly what we just talked about, getting centered, radically simplifying, choosing who I'm inviting to the dinner table or the boardroom or the decision or the conference room. Um, and then standing up for that decision and seeing it through, getting behind it. Yeah, and okay. now, you know, two years into it, uh, uh, so much you know, challenge and har- so much that's been harrowing, I feel more capable and more able to create a good environment for myself and for the team to get it all out on the table, choose what's most strategic, and execute. I want to talk a little
1: bit about leading with vulnerability, truly like the act of leading, not just like uh, starting with. And I say this because I feel as though there are multiple perspectives on whether or not it can be a beneficial thing and that there is such a thing if you choose to be vulnerable in a work capacity as responsible vulnerability, right? Can you share a little bit about what that has looked like in practice for you as you've really adopted and adapted into this
0: role? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great question. I think if you are centered in your vulnerability, then your leadership becomes relatable and accessible. If you are caustic in your vulnerability, you're throwing it around, you're not centered in it, it's chaotic in the I don't know, then it's irresponsible vulnerability. Now you've just made your vulnerability somebody else's problem and they feel like they have to caretake potentially. And so it's about owning your sense of vulnerability rather than like proselytizing it. So how do you own your sense of vulnerability? Well, you you this is the same three steps. Get your state in order. Okay, so let's drop out of the, the nervousness, the insecurity. Let's drop into the the truth is I don't know. Let's find out together. But if you're walking around the office with your head cut off, I don't know. I don't know. What are we going to do? <laughs> now you've just injected fear into all of your teammates. Yeah. But if you yeah. center your feet, you take a deep breath and you look somebody in the eye and you say with confidence, I don't know. Let's find out together. That's entirely different.
1: It is entirely different. And it also beckons the question, are there landmark moments that have taught you this approach previous to the last two years? What has helped you get to this place of radical understanding?
0: Mm. Making mistakes. (laughs) What's helped me get here is falling on my face and having to get back up of, of being the chicken with the head cut off, being the person who's overly protected and tense, being the one who is completely overwhelmed, you know, and, and it is that process. This is really full circle of reflecting once I'm out of the woods and out of the mist and I look back at that, you know, at the forest or the weather system. Wow. Okay. What happened there? Where did I lose myself? Where did I lose myself? And what tools do I have now to relocate myself? Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful that, you know, we've really cultivated a kind and communicative and generous environment, um, behind the scenes at the class, because we can have those honest conversations and I can go to certain teammates And say like, let's do a roses and thorns. Let's go back into not only how that initiative moved through it, but how did we move with that initiative? And how can we get better and stronger and more conscious for the next one? January 2024, roses
1: and thorns. You go first.
0: So in the last couple of weeks, the thorn, I would say, is that I believed my doubt about myself. I had really a long essay about all the reasons why I wasn't good enough or should be worried. And for a while there, I really let that color my perception. And my rose is that I had pockets where the sun shone through that weather system. And it was the reminder and continually looking for that ray of light, really continually taking my attention and placing it on, I know that's not true. That's my old self. Realignment. My rose is, is my ability, my continued practice in realigning myself to what's true instead of what's fictional. Alignment, a strong
1: word for 2024.
0: What about you? Give me your roses and thorns.
1: My thorn uh, is a little bit more literal, I would say. It was a spill that I took running two Mm. to three weeks ago. I went flying and really did a doozy on Mm. my ribs. Uh, I think they're just bruised. Admittedly, I didn't get imaging because every doctor and my physical therapist, uh, so doctors and my physical therapist told me that Uh, You really do the exact same thing for a bruised rib as you do for a broken one. And I've slowly been healing, but still things like lying down and coughing don't feel stellar. And uh, that in itself is frustrating. I was briefly quite concerned about being able to move forward with my plan to run Uh, a marathon not too far from now. And I'm very thankful that my body uh, has enabled me to continue on with that plan. Either way, we certainly would have figured it out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: My rose, I would say, has been re-realization of truly how supported I am. Mm -hmm. Aside from the uh, unexpected trip, fall, whatever launch into the abyss that we want to call it. I've been dealing with uh, just some other health stuff that has been uh, frustrating at times in addition to just life is lifing. And I am so grateful for the individuals that are in my corner everywhere I turn relationships that are uh, so real and so pure and so beautiful and the older i get the more mature and wonderful and deep they get and for yeah. that i am so 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 just blessed to mm-hmm. say out loud
0: that's so beautiful and emily yeah. the um that fictional story that you told us about the gal who took a spill just you know <laughs> just asking for a friend <laughs>
1: Oh my God, fact versus fiction, right? Like let's just pretend <laughs> I dreamt that three nights ago and it didn't really happen. I'm reminded of it every t- single day when
0: I like sneeze or cough or try to lay down in Shavasana. Oh man. Well, truly, Emily, you are one of the those beacons of light and that support system and that friend I know that I could knock on your door and you'd give me the real, real. And I'm just so grateful to be to have crossed paths with you in this lifetime. And to be in conversation with you, really, truly. Oh, no. wait, I forgot. I wanted to offer your listeners a month on the class's digital platform if they wanted to try it. What a sweetie. How nice are you? It would be a gift. If, if you care to, to check it out, com backslash Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E. And uh, check it out, 30 days to practice your practice.
1: You're already doing my job for me here as (laughs) we wind down. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, how's Kevin doing these days?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you for tying up that loose end because that would have been maybe potentially uh, scary. Um, He is healing. His cancer is shrinking. It is retracting. And um, we have, our mind is set on full recovery, full remission, and uh, we're going to get there. And now you have... uh, A few thousand
1: understatement Mm. people that are hoping that you get there too. I'm so happy to hear that. Natalie, for those that don't follow along with you just yet, give us your info. How do they do that? How do they keep up with you? How do they follow the class? We want to know
0: it all. Bless your heart on Instagram at the class and on Instagram at this is Natalie. Beautiful.
1: I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered.